You want to make mom smile this Mother's Day? You can start Mother's Day with flowers or surprise her with gifts from the brands she loves, delivered the very same day with DoorDash. Wow, that's a great idea. Moms are such a gift to us, and we should treat them the same way, with gifts, especially on Mother's Day. I didn't know DoorDash was doing that. That's exceptional. If your mom has a sweet tooth, or if she's a tech enthusiast, beauty connoisseur, if she's outdoorsy, no matter what she's into, you can make her smile with a fruit or flower bouquet, makeup, tech gear, workout wear, and more, all deliverable through DoorDash. Get all your Mother's Day gifts all in one place and get 50% off your next order up to $15 when you spend $15 or more on your next flower, convenience, grocery, or retail order now with code THEO. That's T-H-E-O. Order using DoorDash today. Terms apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Gray Block Pizza. Gray Block Pizza at 1811 Pico Boulevard in Los Angeles on the way to the beach. Gray Block, get that hitter. I want to let you guys know that I will be in Boston next week, or actually Medford, on Thursday night at the Chevalier Theater. And that's a place where you can see live comedy like myself. You can get those tickets at theovon.com slash tour, T-O-U-R. This past weekend is gratefully brought to you by Skillshare. Think about a skill you have, walking backwards or looking for something and finding it, or remembering who people are. Well, those are easy. Now you can learn a great new skill. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators or creators. With more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more, you'll discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity, and career. That's right. Instead of going back to college and doing all that funny money and spending all of that, getting the dorm room, you know, joining the intramurals, hurting your leg in a, in a game no one even cared about, you can take classes in social media marketing, mobile photography, creative writing, or even illustration. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering this past weekend listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. Think of all the things you don't know. Now you can know them. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Theo Vaughn. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Theo Vaughn to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash Theo Vaughn. Look, it's no lie. It's no lie that I got that mane. You feel me? That I got the balls to grow the falls, honey bear. And you got to know that your confidence is important. Sometimes one change can make all the difference. Think about a change. Wow, so different. Hair Club knows this, and they're inviting you to become part of the Hair Club family to see how getting the most out of your hair can change your life. Hair Club, understand the emotions you're feeling and know the questions you have. Oh, my hair. What about this? What about that? Hair Club is the leader in total hair solutions with a legacy of success for over 40 years. 40 years of hair, wow. Whether you're looking to revitalize the growth of your hair or to learn more about the latest proven methods for hair replacement or restoration, 
Hair Club's professionally trained stylists, hair health experts, and consultants will craft a personalized solution to ensure that you feel your best and get the most out of your hair. See for yourself just how powerful great hair can be. We all know that I've had hair solutions done to myself. Go to hairclub.com slash Theo today for a free hair analysis and a free take-home hair kit, all valued at over $300. That's hairclub.com slash T-H-E-O for a free hair analysis and free hair care kit. That's hairclub.com slash Theo. Experience your hair and your life at its best. I'm certain you'll love the club. Today's episode is with a gentleman, male comedian, who has um, who has certainly been through it all. Uh, he has a new tour that's actually going to be in St. Louis this Friday night tomorrow. Um, you can get tickets to see him, and uh, and I'm happy he's here in studio today. It is Mr. Dane Cook. Now I'm just floating on the breeze And I feel I'm falling like these leaves I must be cornerstone Oh, but when I reach that ground I'll share this piece of mind I found I can feel it in my bones But it's gonna take a little time For me to set that parking brake and let myself all wine shine that light on me. I'll sit and tell you my story. What was was Daniac? What was like a name that fans? Because fans pick up like kind of names sometimes. Yeah. And I feel oh, like, like the, what they call themselves. I uh, feel like it never kind of turns out well. Um. Yeah, I had Daniacs actually. They tried to do that, and I I killed that. I was like, did? Yeah, no, 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 no. And then um, the Dane Train. Yeah, is what I coined one day, and I was like, Okay, that sounds kind of cool. Yeah, you know? get on the Dane Train, get yeah. off the Dane Train. It's like a fucking Doobie Brothers song or something yeah. like that. I was that was, and I'm glad that caught for a little bit. But and a train, it gives the fans something to get off of, like your supporters something to get. <laughs> you know, right, right. We're gonna At bring least, it into the station. Yeah. You go home, you have yourself a nice meal, yeah, and then get back on the Dane train, and we'll head to the next destination. Yeah, and at least it's open to, like, if people are like, hey, you know, I've been on here for a couple of years, I'm ready to step off, and then, you know, <laughs> I'm ready to get on, you right. know, it, like, gives the opportunity, because otherwise, yeah, what if somebody gets a tattoo that they're a Daniac, and then six years later, they're like, eh. People have gotten tattoos. I mean, I, I've seen people with my face on their uh, inner thigh, which wow. is like such a weird, if I was going to get your face anywhere on my body, I don't know if I'd go thigh, Yeah, you know, maybe you just go back and you kind of make it like <laughs> a, you know, just a presentation if you're, yeah. you know, down by the local uh, pool, but it's yeah. like a little bit of the past then, or then it's like, yeah, something in the front, the thigh, <laughs> right in here, a man or woman. It was, uh, it, was it was a dude. Yeah. Yeah. It was a guy. He, he actually had a lot of uh, comedians on his body. It was it was like a, a tribute to all things comedy. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, man. man. It was awesome. Wow. What do your fans call you or call themselves? Do they do, Are they trying to come up with like a... Do we have anything, Nick? I got one. Okay. What about this? Ready? The Crispy Vontons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, what's up? All the Crispy Vontons out there. <laughs> 
Especially exactly. your Chinese fans would yeah. really, really play into that. That's actually pretty good. We only have, I think, one Chinese fan. But... All right. Well, you know what? You're the crispy Vaughn Tom. <laughs> yeah, you're the start. Um, yeah, because that seems kind of, yeah, like it gets kind of crazy when you start having like fans and supporters, you know? Yeah. I, I, I really, um, when I turned to a corner of uh, being absolutely, you know, out of any kind of conversation to having people, you know, want to like know more about me beyond comedy. That's when it got a little funky. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really different from, you know, the persona. So that's the only part that was tricky. I love the correspondence with fans when we were talking shop, right. talking comedy, talking bits, talking, you know, whatever is coming up next when they were like, um, what makes you sad? It yeah. was like, uh, uh, I don't know if I can share that information. <laughs> oh, that's what our whole podcast is based on. My whole podcast is based on like, you know, just, things that I've thought or felt or yeah yeah well now I now I'm like the opposite now I can dig super deep and I've kind of been through every incarnation of a career so yeah. it's like now this is perfect because uh I've, I've 29 years later grown into the idea of like being introspective is actually way more exciting than just being observant of behavior yeah 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 because I was reading like some people because you're definitely like a performer you know, and I've always been big on, I've never been a, like, I respect joke writers, but I like, I personally enjoy watching a performer. Right. You know, it's why I love, like, Sebastian Maniscalco. Yes. You know, it's like, it's one of the reasons why I like watching Chris D'Elia. Like, I, I like watching something occur. Yes. Yeah. You know, and it seemed like, um, but performers, it seems like, don't get as much credit from the media at all. Yeah, it's similar to like how most of the time like bombastic movies that are like action oriented doesn't get the same kind of um, uh, critical acclaim as something that's just, you know, a little dour and maudlin and dramatic. It's bonkers. It's like the same amount of effort, energy, uh, creativity, um, impact, all that stuff needs to come together in order to make an act like that. And I'm the same way. I grew up Jerry, you know, Jerry Lewis, uh, Steve Martin. Um, Dice, you know, pe- uh, Martin Short. I just like people that went for it. Yeah. You know? And But as I got a little bit older, started to realize, oh, if you can... Um if you can work this craft and try to uh, build yourself up, there's a way to actually have that and then bring something that's uh, written or more introspective to it, which is kind of cool now. And do you feel like, so do you feel like you're doing that more with your new tour, with this new tour that you're going on now? Yeah. What's different between it? Like if you're a fan coming out that came out, you know, that was on the Dane train in the beginning, you know, (laughs) that was on, because it was really like a rock. I mean, was that like a rocket ship when you, because I mean, it, it really wasn't because it was a slow burn. It probably felt that way for a lot of people that, you know, suddenly were like smacked in the face of like, who's this name? Dane Cook, I keep hearing. Right. But the college market, I had for all of the 90s been just like Chipping hanging away. out and, you know, just like partying after with everybody and just trying to ingratiate myself and... Um, and, and, and also it was just fun, you know, cause I was a kid hanging oh, yeah. out with, you know, making a little money, having some fun. But, um, I always understood the, the campaign element of it, which is if I want to, you know, be elected uh, comedian of the year until my service is over, like I'm going to have to get as many people on board without a TV show, without, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have like 
the Just for I was talking to Bruce Hills at Just for Life. I said, you never had me on one new faces. Wow. I just didn't have any of the industry support. access support early. And uh, it's probably good because it just made me have to cultivate my own means. They don't get it. seems like, yeah, it's like I wonder why they don't. I think a lot of them, yeah, it like scares them or something to believe that. It makes it feel like it's not about the entertainment anymore. It's just about what the industry kind of wants to push sometimes. Right, right. It's uh, it's what's relevant right now today. And it, and I, I'm probably, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I, I've been guilty of it myself where it's like you just glom on to something because everybody's so enthusiastic yeah. about it. But with time, and, and, and you're going to learn this as well, and I've talked to people before me that turn this corner, there's a, there's a moment, there's a process during your career where you start to um, earn a pedigree, where you start to, um, uh, you're seasoned. And that's actually when a performer, I think, is more interesting. You know, the trajectory, it's great, shiny, new, exciting. What they do with that and how we evolve and Mm -hmm. how we communicate with each other and then to the crowd, I feel like at 30 years in almost that I'm just getting good. I'm just using all the tools in the arsenal to tell the kind of stories that I've always hoped to tell. And when, to answer your question directly, what's different about the tour now is, yeah, there's more introspection because I have more hindsight to, to play off observationally, but it's my hindsight. It's, it's my, uh, story, my ups, my downs. And the thing that was the, probably the trickiest about this tour in this time was I just didn't want it to be a one man show. I love one man shows, but I didn't want my show to be something less than what people had seen before. I wanted the same LPMs laughs per minute mm-hmm. with all the new tools that I had in my arsenal, which took a little, it took a little time to get around that, that, uh, that turn. So what do you, but it seems like, a, I mean, like, I mean, comedy is a one man. So when you say, so when you say you don't want it to be a one man show, like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Like I didn't want it to be, um, introspective to the point where it, it wasn't, wasn't funny, great for entertaining. Yeah. You I know, see. I wanted, if you saw me 20 years ago, the greatest compliment I've gotten this last weekend, when my tour just recently started is people saying, seeing you eight times was at Madison square garden. Was that this, was that, that this is my favorite show I've seen you do. Mm. And people saying, honestly, I didn't know you could do that. I, I wasn't sure if you could exceed my expectations again, but the show is as good if not better than other shows I've seen you do in the past. And that that's the greatest as a comedian, except for people quoting your shit and saying it back to you, which is yeah. always fun. Yeah. Uh, you feel like Mark Twain for a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's kind of one of the coolest aspects of um, still being able to do it at the level that I've, I've been doing it. Yeah. It's cool. Do you feel, you've always seemed to me like kind of to be like a lone wolf kind of, do you feel that? I think that in, I don't feel that in life. I feel like if anything, I, I it's an embarrassment of riches with how many great um, mentors and friends that I have in, in and out of comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're 28 years old and you hit the stratosphere, nobody can talk to you about that. Nobody understands it. And perception takes over because then people start to believe that maybe you're um, not accessible and uh, and who is accessible to you you don't find out two years later bullshitters people want to make a little scratch right people that see something to gain scoundrels scoundrels fucking it's like most Eisley cantina from star wars like all the scum and villainy wants to seek you out because they want to 
they want a piece of the sparkle, man. Yeah. Everybody wants some of the sparkle. You see somebody with sparkle, it's like, oh fuck, I want to, I want to glimmer with that person. But now, what happens? Like, but do it's always seemed like you? Do you have this thing where it's like, I, I, you, you have to, I have to do this myself because it always seems like you are this different kind of like you're like pluto kind of a little bit not that you're out pushed to the outside yeah but that you choose to kind of be in this you know like yeah you don't know if i'm a planet or a ball of ice yeah. kind of thing or just like a rumor yeah. that science made up you know <laughs> like you, yeah it's like yeah it's like yeah you don't really know it's like is this guy a planet is this guy a ball of ice I, like you see you seem like that you seem so just a regular comedian coming up you yeah. know it's like who is this? Like everybody else seems a little bit more accessible, a little bit more. You feel that? I don't feel that with a lot of comedians. Yeah, and maybe, and, and that could but, just but be my, my perception. Class, you're graduating class in my in my graduating class. I wouldn't feel that way about the comics I came up with in uh, and around. But I think it, it maybe it's generational. Right. Um, I, when I met people ahead of me, I was intimidated to go up and talk to them. Oh, and you know yeah. what I did? I did the same thing people kind of put on me, which is they don't want to talk to me. Who, why would that person care about me? Why would I'd see uh, David Spade or Chris Rock when I was young in New York? Why would they care about talking to me? So what did I do? I projected they're probably too cool for school. Yeah. Until finally you're at the comic table with somebody or we're John like this and you're like, oh shit, no, that's... It's not that crazy. Yeah, no, it's definitely... I don't feel like the Warden of the North, like some Game of Thrones thing where I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Pluto or something on the far outside. I do like that that's part of the interpretation of what I am because it's a whole hell of a lot more interesting to be somebody who, where people want to put their hand on their chin and go, what's going mm. on? Then somebody was like, yeah, 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 we get it. We get it. I never wanted to be that. I thought I was that. I actually thought I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah we get it. You move around a lot on stage and you're trying to write some stuff. We get it and dismissed. Right. But if anything, the polarizing was like, Oh, good. Yeah, I'm not milk toast. I'm not fucking boring. Right. I'm. I'm interesting. I'm almost like a little bit of a a good guy, bad guy. You don't know how I'm rolling. Yeah, that's in. what I feel like with you. It seemed like the anti-hero. You yeah. Know? I, and you know what? It was fun. It's been fun. You but know? has that been a goal? It seems like because you. I, I feel like you. You definitely seem like obviously super aware, especially comedians are hyper aware of yes. like who we are and what's going on. I think anyway, a lot of and super sensitive as and well. super sensitive, yeah. yeah. Which is one of the reasons you have to be hyper aware because you have to know, or those things kind of go together because it's like you're so aware that it makes you overly sensitive because you're you're taking in so much that there's so many ways that you could feel that we could feel offended, yeah, easily, and right. so we're so you know, aware and then so sensitive at the same time. Yeah, I think that we're, a lot of comics, I think what we do is, we, you know, we, we ruminate and we are, we're seeing 10 different incarnations of what could be. And what does that do? That 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 then makes you start preparing for what if A happens? What if B yeah. happens? So we exert a lot of energy, even in our stillness. Oh, it, dude, it is exhausting yeah. being hyper aware. It's yeah. exhausting having to constantly like protect yourself from like seven different ways of, feeling uncomfortable right you know you ever hear those stories about jim carrey early on in his career when mm -hmm. he would he he had this and did you ever work with him uh no i never had the opportunity to work with him but i've i've, I've worked with people that have collaborated with him and i i i usually don't just uh on hearsay i need like a few different people to validate mm -hmm. and i started hearing from a few different folks that like back in the day when he would go to a party if he thought people were going to fuck with him, doing what we're doing, thinking, oh, so-and-so is going to be there. What if she says this? What if he says that? That he would sit and pre-plan some stuff to 
you know, roast you or haze you. Right. So you couldn't hurt him. Some eight mile shit, man. Wow. He had like it already on tap. He'd, he'd practice, you know, imagine the energy that that took. Cause what if you Cheddar see one Bob of those people, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, what if they just come up and like, Bob and people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, your fucking neck. <sighs> right. He, yeah, he, that's the neck you wore. <laughs> yeah. I could see him. Yeah. <laughs> he would go, he would go, uh, deep cuts yeah. on that shit. And, um, and I understand a little bit of that. I, I think that, um, I think that the, the, you know, if you're thinking about a career in comedy, what you got to realize is, um, it's, it's an amazing community. It's a brotherhood. I mean that guys and girls, but it's also really cutthroat and it's also, um, sometimes it's very participatory and sometimes it's very isolating, you know, and you got to know what you need to be at what point. Right. Um, and that's hard to know. And I, I had to learn the hard way, which was pretty much on my own, but then meeting mentors along the years that, uh, were, um, the knowledge that they passed on to me helped me to figure out what a career really is. And there's going to be a crest and you're going to dip and it's going to come up. And then it did it. There's so many more elements than just what we do on stage. Right. You know, when you, so when your career like blew up, you know, cause I mean, you had what I, I mean, I, and I've, t- I've talked about this even in discussions about you when you weren't around, um, that you were like kind of the Steve Martin of our time in the way that oh, wow. some are, of you know that somebody no one has that i mean yeah. that's such a rare thing that somebody has you know has that that trajectory yeah. yeah it's just a rare thing it happens to someone you know and it happened to you and not saying that you're you know obviously you did the work but what happens like with your ego in that part that's something we always talk about because one of my scariest things to me is my own ego right because it's such a it's me and I know that I'm crafty and that I'm cunning. Yeah. And so I know that my ego is that as well. Right. Like what happened? Like what do you, like did you find for yourself? What I found was um, m- maybe a little different because I had grown up so um, uh, as an introvert, I had grown up with a lot of fear. I grew up as a, as a self-loathing, um, uh, I, you know, I was in an environment of, um, there was alcoholism in my family. Yeah. There was a lot of heaviness and I felt like I grew up fast. Um, so the years that I spent doing stand up leading up to what would seemingly be an overnight sensation 15 years later, mm-hmm. the ego stuff really wasn't, um, uh, like a, uh, a bravado or some kind of cockiness. It was really more of, Oh, I'm, I'm finally starting to feel like I can love myself because I obtained something in life or where I didn't really know what I would, um, get to, you know, I pipe dreamed a lot of yeah. big stuff, Steve Martin and dice and seeing these guys. Um, so, yeah, definitely. You always have those in your head, especially if you're in the business and you're seeing other people have those things. Yeah. And th- so I think that to, if I'm, if I'm understanding correctly, it's like, to me, like ego was like, I'd be at the cellar when I was still new and Chris Rock would come in. He bumped me, he bumped anybody. And right. that was, that was like, that was part of it. That was kind of like a rite of passage as a comedian, like, okay, yeah, yeah. some big star, bigger star is going to come in. And so when I made it, I was like, oh, I can do that too. You know, I can walk into the laugh factory, which is primarily where I would just go and feel like I can do what I want. This is, I've arrived. So right. that was something I needed to get through the rotating door about to realize like, no, there's still actually like, it's still procedural and you can still have respect for your peers. And there's a way to do that. 
that's um, more appropriate than just a barnstorming a club and then right. like go, you know. So I, I, I got my knocks. I learned some lessons some early curves. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And only because certain names and some I've named, you know, would reach out and be like, can't do that, man. Mm. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to do that. You want to try to play it like this or, um, and so I, you know, I learned as I went and now I try to kind of what we're doing here, pass on to whoever the next girl or guy is coming up to say like, you know, when people say stay humble, that's no bullshit, you know, really try to, you know, keep yourself as modest and, um, you know, it's nice to be self-affirming, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be able to like, if, if you're going to get a, a huge level of, um, of power in, in any industry, really like how you manage that and how it, it reverberates off you to others that impacts you years later when wow. that person says, Hey, thanks for being cool to me. Yeah. You know, thanks for being, I remember one time, like Tosh, he got really mad at me. Uh, we were, I didn't, never was really close to him and we were in the laugh factory lobby once and I didn't usually talk out of school, but like, this is one of those stories that, and I think I had put my hand out to him and he was like, no man, no, I don't need you in my life. He, he said something that was really kind of harsh and I was like, Daniel, what? I'm just, you know, congrats on the success and all that. And he, 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 he was not interested in having that conversation because I had not been, um, I had not been cordial to him coming up. I probably didn't take the time on many nights at the factory to, to hobnob or just, yeah, just to, I, I had not realized that the level of, um, influence that I had that, um, that younger comedians at that moment, um, not now, but at that moment, like that would hurt them if I were to walk by and not acknowledge them. But I wasn't doing it to hurt anybody. I was just still an introvert in many ways. Right. You know, it's, it's, man, it's a fucking, it's perplexing and a paradox sometimes even, you know, for me, we had a very deep conversation, um, off pod and, and, you know, we're, we're, we're complex yeah. Yeah, we're complex beings. And you and I have never been like close, but we just seen each other in clubs, talked a few times. And um and yeah, and then I came up to your house and and, and we hung out that time. Yeah, it was definitely interesting. Cause I didn't know yeah, it's like I feel like other comedians uh, you kind of get a vibe from and you kind of get an understanding of. Right. And you kind of seem like that like that rare element that's kind of like, well, what's going on with this guy? Like, right. is this guy this guy's out? This guy's kind of seems like a lone wolf to me. Yeah, I, I I guess that in terms of how I came up in comedy, that's a a fair assessment because I wasn't in a pack that was all doing arenas and um, and Billboard charts and top selling platinum albums. I I was alone. Yeah, I was really alone. There wasn't uh, another person. Dice was thir- twenty five years ahead of me, having done Madison Square Garden nineteen ninety, and I bumped into him at Mulberry Street Pizza when I was like, it was like, oh, five, oh, six and everything. I was by myself, just having a slice, just fucking sitting there, you know, napkins on my face. He sat right in front of me and I, I got to, you know, have this conversation with an icon, somebody I looked up to and, and I felt like finally I was talking with somebody who really understood when I was talking about, uh, the hardships that yeah. went with it and the loneliness, you know, there, there was some loneliness. I was like, oh, I got here cause I wanted to be in the community and share, but I didn't know I was going to seemingly skyrocket to where people f- felt, um, uh, like a disappointment. I wanted to, I thought that was good for the business of all comedy, right? you know, because in the nineties comedy albums were dead. Everybody was telling me comedy was kind of like 
you know, after the boom of the 80s, everybody told me, they're like, comedy isn't like, you know, it was oversaturated. Comedy Central wasn't putting on people that were really uh, uh, seasoned and yeah. ready. And so there was a, a period of time where comedy was a little bit bottom of the totem pole. And I, I felt like, hey, I'm, I think I'm helping to shed light on a new generation of comedy fans. Yeah. So outside perspective, very different about what people felt of me to what I was hoping that I was emulating out there for others, you know? Yeah. And jealousy probably was huge. I mean, I, I can only imagine that, like, because je- everybody was a little bit jealous of Dane Cook, I think, you know? I think that what happened was a lot of comics would say to me, man, I'm so sick of DJs and people that are interviewing me for my show. I'm trying to build, saying, literally saying, why don't you do what Dane does? Yeah. Why aren't you? And um, it was frustrating. Well, I heard you say on stage one time, this is one of the most interesting things I'd ever heard someone say on stage. You said, yeah, I've been going to therapy a lot recently, and it's interesting that I'll sit down, I sat down in the therapist's office for the first time, and they're like, oh, Dane Cook, I've heard a lot, I've heard your name a lot in here from other comedians. Yeah. And that was like such an interesting, I just remember hearing that, man, and that was such an interesting thing. Yeah, it was was weird, you know, I remember that moment and being like, because he had worked with a lot of comedians. Yeah. He was recommended by... Right, yeah. via the com- comedy community. Like, you should talk to him because he he, you know, he gets it. He knows the world of comedy. His opening line literally was, <laughs> your name comes up a lot in here, man. And it's like the vulnerability in that moment of being like, and then wanting to know, what are they of saying? Course. <laughs> of course. Please. That would be so bizarre because then it's like, there's so much of you going on outside of you. Right, such a view and such a a conversation of you outside of you. Right, and and, and it wasn't till some time that um, certain comics had you know come to me and said uh, one comedian she was she was so uh, I I don't want to name drop her if she wants to come forward and say it's who probably it was. Whitney Cummings, but it, can it be was not anybody. Whitney. Okay, um, but I love Whitney. Yeah. Uh, but this. A uh, comedian came to me and just said, uh, you know, I, uh, it took me a while. I, I was one of the people that bashed you. I, I misjudged you. I, and she's like, a lot of that was my own um, feeling of not getting to, you know, what I was hoping, the fear, mm. you know? It's really like everything comes back to love and fear, man. What drives us? Oh, yeah. And what we, you know, what we want to hold on to and, and what we want to pass up on. Why do you think you were like easy to hate? If that's an okay question. Well, look, I was like young and wearing fucking cool jeans. Fur? And I had some Not like. Fur. You uh, never... <laughs> Did you ever wear fur? Be honest, dude. If I you never ever wore fur. I never wore fur. Not, okay, not faux fur. Is that you what promise? you call fake fur? Faux? Is no. it fox? First, hopefully, I would assume being from Massachusetts, you would go with real fur, dude. That's Paul Revere country. You guys have earned the real fur. Um, but did you ever wear fur? No. I did not. No, yeah. no, we didn't. But my mom had some fur coats. Yeah, that's awesome, <laughs> so I dude. probably did throw one of my mom's dude, furs. Fuck yeah. <laughs> but not once you got it popular. No, once I okay, once I made good. it, I was it was like uh, you know, tight shirts. And, um, I, you know, the image that I was trying to create, um, Steve Martin, the white suit, the, the, the dichotomy of being like, Hey, I'm dressed up really nice, but I'm being like wacky. And, and then dice, of course, the element of, uh, of like badass and, and cool Eddie Murphy in the, you know, leather oh, yeah. outfit. I was figuring out, hey, you know what my thing is? Like, I'm I'm coming up with this next generation, and, and dudes are more fashionista in many ways than you know in the past. So I just found my niche, and I played up on that, and then I I could understand years later, looking back, like, 
<laughs> oh my God, I wouldn't have liked that guy either. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, hindsight is, uh, an incredible, <laughs> incredibly prolific thing. Um, and, and you don't know at the time, you just think you're, you know, I don't know, just, you're doing the best you can to try to create an image that, um, that resonates. Yeah. You know? And you did a great job. So at a certain point, because yeah. when you say like, you know, the jealousy and da da da, Theo, I wasn't I wasn't looking at that. I was looking at twenty thousand people. I wasn't looking at the one guy in the comment section who was right. Like, of course, yeah. You know, so you're looking at the Madison Square Garden, you're looking at the the proof that was in front of you. Yeah, was that everything I'm doing is right? Yeah, it was like I was just looking at um, the love from the fans that I had uh, found or who found me. So. It really didn't hit me until many, many years later of like, oh, wow, there's really some genuine animosity. And it's just up to me to have conversations like this with my peers, with the brotherhood of comedy to say, uh, I'm accessible. And, uh, you know, you know, if you're a fan, I'm accessible. You could DM me. I write everybody back. Sometimes yeah. people write me and say, hey, man, I'm having a shitty day. And I go, here's what you need to do. Yeah. Because I'm super sensitive. And uh, I'm empathetic to that. So the perception of me, very different than who I am mm. um, when I'm just, you know, at home kicking it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, because that's, I mean, yeah, if I'm real candid, it was just like, yeah, what is Dane? Like, Dane seems like this, I don't know, yeah, like this, kind of like this Pluto, kind of like right. this thing where people don't know, but for some reason, people have felt rubbed the wrong way, you know? Yeah. But then also has probably had the ability to gain, garner a huge amount of jealousy over time as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of factors in there. I bet it was probably hard to sift through some of that if you even wanted to look at it. It, it was. It was like, uh, because it it didn't, it wasn't, even though it wasn't affecting me directly in terms of like business, it affected like my fans didn't like feeling like they were. Uh, yeah, then if you were a Dane fan, then it was like weird. Right. Right. There was a period where it's like people were like, hey, am I, I say I like you and then I get attacked by other people. Yeah, dude, yeah. But we used to I'm in a wheelchair because I was, yeah, <laughs> at your Madison Square Garden 20,000 seat show. What you start to realize. What's going on, bro? Here's the, here's the breakthrough breaking news in what everybody learns when you become successful and what you're learning you know, you, you, right now you're in the uh, pink cloud phase. Everything's, you know, everybody's finding you and discovering you and passing you around. Um, everything is mediocre. Everything. Every single thing is mediocre. Aerosmith, I love them. There's somebody I going, eh, I don't, it's not my thing. It, it, you can't name a book, a, a, a magician, nobody. You definitely can't name a magician. Well, you can't name magicians, And no. can we just admit magicians are comedians arch nemesis? <laughs> are they really? I mean, it, that should be who a movie. else is it? Yeah, it should be a movie, dude, and it definitely should be a movie. <laughs> who else could our arch nemesis be? Um, uh, no, that's it. It has you to be win. magicians. That's it. Yeah. That's the end of that that run right there. Um, but I interrupted. But, but everything, going. no, everything is. You find out uh, success introduces you to uh, mediocrity because then everybody outside of your realm um, is gonna tell you why you're not that great and and what sucks about you. You yeah. know, you can. We, we're watching careers right now of people. Let's just say in the last five years, and what do they do? They get white hot, and then. Um, you know, and then it's like the spanking machine. Everybody's going to get tagged and we're going to find things out that we don't like about them. And then what happens is your, your fan base, the bottom of the V right here, they're still, you know, pretty much rock solid in place. Most of them. And then everybody out here is, um, in the business of telling you, yeah, we don't care. Right. <laughs> and they want to tell you, and they're going to reach out to tell you all we can do. Just come up with the next set 
next joke, get up on stage, try to have a few more laughs with our friends, family, and then um, do one more show. That's that's what I'm doing. Yeah. We definitely seem to be really fearless, you know, that's for sure. Like, just to Because I grew up in fear. To continue to keep your head down and keep going. Grew up in fear. When you grew up in fear-based, which I was, then, man, just, you know, once I... Once I found this um, conduit comedy, once I had that, it was like the dilithium crystal. I had fucking superpowers. I had this ability to actually be um, present and important to people when I didn't even feel important to myself. Right. It took a long time for all those things to equate um, uh, a well-rounded, healthy lifestyle, both on and off stage you know to be able to have great conversations like this yeah you know do you um did you have an idea what you thought it, like being a star was or something like that before <laughs> you like hit like a level of a stardom popularity oh what a great question man that that um i remember um rob you know seeing guys like robin williams playing uh like garp and like a world according to Gar. Yeah. Oh dude, that's one of my favorite books of all time. Love it. Book amazing. The film, you know, awesome. He was awesome. And I was looking at a lot of comedic actors, um, and admiring that they could tell different kinds of story. They could make you laugh. Maybe they could make you cry. To me, that was like, uh, an, an interesting, um, route for a career. So what I did and where it plays into the question is like, I, I took my foot off the gas of what I knew people had um, discovered me as and was like, I'm going to downshift and try to go in that direction so I could have some more credibility and outside of comedy. Mm. Um, deconstructed myself, really, in the mid-2000 you know, era. You mean like with films and stuff like that, with that yeah. kind of work? Yeah, because yeah, then I started getting some opportunity to do things that were very different from stand-up, based on my stand-up. Kevin Costner was a fan of my stand-up and then said, do you want to play a serial killer in this movie with me? And it was like, suddenly, that was when I felt a certain level of stardom when I was, um, not so much from the comedy, ever, but from the um, being received. And this all comes back to inclusion and feeling isolated as a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, Kevin Costner's and Demi Moore's and Juliette Binoche and... Steve Carell, people that I I love to watch them do things that were so drastically different, were now saying, "Hey, you you know, right? Yeah, you're then you're suddenly one of us. you're one of us." Yeah. So that's when I started to feel a bit of, um, oh wow, I, I I'm I'm in a I'm in a different uh, circle. Right. I'm in an inner circle. And do you do, do you feel like then you start treating people different? Like like was was there ever a point you felt like like looking back like oh I was an asshole? You know, I never felt like I was an asshole. Yeah. I never felt like uh, I had never gotten to a place where. I, like I had seen some other comedians in some other behaviors. Um, you know, there was some, Eddie Griffin is who there was pretty, <laughs> um, there were some magicians out there actually yeah, who were yeah. fucking assholes. Yeah, um, Siegfried and tiger face, whatever that guy's name was. I saw that, uh, I, I saw some behavior in other, um, not even just comedians, but just in other celebrities, you know, having been in LA for a bit. And I thought it was really deplorable. And I, I wanted to be a person that, uh, if, if you could approach me, if you felt like I was approachable, that, uh, you know, there was something to be gleaned from both my success and failure. So I, I, I never felt like an asshole. I, 
I would listen to people talk about me, you know, Joan Rivers, I'd never met and she called me an asshole on Stern. I'd never met her. I never made a Joan Rivers joke. I respected that woman. She, yeah. She, you know, she was cool. Built it in, in cool and funny and always funny. She used all the racial slurs once on TMZ and it's still <laughs> one of my favorite clips. I watch it at night sometimes before bed. <laughs> Yeah. What's your bedtime regimen? Well, I mean, like, you, you put on some creams and then you watch oh, Joan. Just... She's like, somebody's of this and somebody's of this and somebody's of this and somebody's of this and yeah. people just need to get used to it. Well, Joan, you know, called me an asshole. And I remember I was... You, and you know, never met her. Never met her. Never met her. And I was... Uh, Man, I was like mortified. Why did you think that? Oh, uh, either A, I'm such an asshole that it's reached Joan Rivers, like the rumor of it. <laughs> no. Or that what is going no. on that people think this? If, or just that I've become a name that people for some reason associate with this? You know what? If I was going to get really, um, if I was going to go deep into like the 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 human element, the id, super id, what's going on with this, I would say uh, I, the one thing I didn't realize how to do was um reach out early in my career when I broke through to to celebrate some of the comedians that came before me. If I met you, I would I would I met Dice at the Pizza right. Place. Um and and I can only I'm guess I'm guessing, but maybe it maybe it hurt her that I had arrived and maybe didn't shout her out. Right. You know, because we're all so fucking sensitive. Yeah. And what I've learned about her from other people was, hey man, she was she was very sensitive too. See, we're all we're all that. Um and so the having people call you an asshole from time to time is uh, it was actually kind of um it was confusing was it know? uplifting in a weird way though was there part of your ego or part of you i mean part of any of our ego where like at least they're talking about me well the the part that you because you've had and i ask you this because you've had so i mean you know there's not anybody else that i could think of that's had the same story that you've had the best in the past part about years. being being considered um you know being ostracized in a way where people think you're like the bad guy or an asshole or whatever is for me i can only talk about my experience but for me it was like good this is an armor to keep the people that have hurt me my whole life away because they're a little scared of me because they think i'm something beyond just a regular guy which i'm just a regular dude I'm just funny for yeah. an hour and a half on stage. And otherwise, uh, I'm pretty basic, you know? I'm jeans and t-shirt kind of guy. And, uh, you know, so that to that extent, I didn't mind... Uh, uh, I didn't mind everybody uh, having an opinion on me and I didn't really mind if it was harsh. It just started to hurt when my fans were really included and my family, you know, even my family, like why'd this tabloid say this about you or um, that's when it started to get a little confusing. Yeah. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm just here to make people laugh. And you know, I get it. Nobody loves everything. Right. More people don't love you, but um, it was a little weird, you know, even looking back and talking about it now, it's still like, what did I ever do to anybody except just try to, Get laughs. The yeah. greatest thing that we can do is try to get laughs. I'm trying you know? to, yeah, I'm trying to think. It wasn't of, like I'd get laughs and people would be withering and dying and it's like, give me all the power of laughs right. to where it's like you would leave an empty fucking theater of just corpses yeah. and you're like, I'm an asshole. I steal souls. It was just like, no, nah, I just want to make you forget about your fucking hardship for a little bit. And if people take issue with that, then that's. What other people think of you is none of your business. Yeah, you know, and I try to, I try to implement that. Yeah, I don't know why. I wonder why that, thing, why that thing surrounded you so much. Then that it was like, I remember the first time. Um, yeah, I just wonder why that surrounded you so but, much. But but it doesn't now, yeah. which is kind of funny because 
if you talk to people now, uh, or even somebody talks to you, it's like, no, once you talk to me and once you hang with me, you'd be like, oh man, he's, he's pretty level headed. You know, I'm not a person that has a lot of, uh, foibles otherwise, man. I'm right. I'm pretty, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Boston kid and we say it like it is and wear our heart on our sleeves and I'm not into playing a character. I'm into uh, my journey for the next many years. Of my life is like, how can I be more present? How can I be more real? How can I be more, um, uh, authentic? Yeah. You know, organic. That's, that's my journey now. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting, man. It's such a, yeah. Cause after we hung out, I was like, I, I kind I was like, I don't know what, I don't know if, you know, I didn't know what to think. I was like, Dane seems so like normal and, and, and it had, I had never. And I told you my preconceived notion of you. Yeah. I was very honest with you about saying, Hey man, I prejudged you as well. I thought like, Oh, this is a guy that's like trying to make it out of some other career. And yeah. is he really uh, a purist? And and I was, uh, you know, I, I wrongly did the same thing. Yeah. I took that car. You left my house that day and I was like, I could grab a lunch with that guy. I, yeah. I, I like him. You know, you're really, uh, you're deep, you're a deep guy and you're fucking funny. You know, you're, you're, you're funny. You deliver on stage. Everybody knows it. Everybody's chatting about it. Um, so I admire that, but Thanks, I like man. that you can do this. Right. You know, I wish in some ways I had more of this maybe around that time. Right. Where the fuck were you, Theo? You could have helped. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, dude. I was probably doing cocaine. Come somewhere. on, crispy vontons. <laughs> let's go. Hashtag crispy vontons. Um, let's go to, a, uh, we have fans have submitted questions this oh, week. Oh, I love this. Okay, so, good. Um, and I actually had one too. Okay. Uh, you talked about, or you've never drank or smoked or done a drug at all. Fact, right? when yes. You, like when you were at your darkest, did that even cross your mind as like a something to turn to? No pussy dude why not no okay. <laughs> i just never uh it was not it, it truly was not something that was on my radar and growing up as a you know i'm an adult child i'm an alcoholic alcoholic yeah so see, i, I oh, watched you would be an alcoholic i would definitely be an alcoholic and you might be just a dry one i'm not but i'm not addicted i don't have an addictive personality outside so i don't know if i would that's a good but point. i'm intense yeah i'm intense you know competitive with myself um, I think I said years ago, if I did drink, I'd probably need to be the drunkest person in the room right. because it's like, I, no, I just have to, you want to win. I want to win. I want to, I want to show myself that I can do more. Um, but it never, it never, uh, was very interesting to me, you know, wasn't, wasn't my thing. Yeah. Cause even sometimes people with alcoholic parents, they, they end up <laughs> repeating the same patterns. I, I think it's like impressive. That- well, my, my mom said to me one day, your dad was really brilliant. He was a brilliant guy. He was a BC graduate and a businessman. She said, "Just he." And she goes, "And he fucks up because he gets in his own way, and he he breaks everything down that he was building up." And so I was like, "If I don't imbibe, maybe I can build up and not have the breakdown right. portion." So you know, but I might start doing heroin, man. I've been thinking about it. Oh, dude, I haven't. You know what? I'm I- at that age where I'm sure it'll probably help. Oh yeah. <laughs> I could see you taking a little hit. I mean, you take a little weight off, though. I don't know if you're prepared for that. I wouldn't mind that. That would be. But do you find do you have a, do you have like an obsessive? Do you have an addiction? You think with working out or like an obsessive? Like, because uh, you always are like you definitely seem jacked. No, I don't. Uh, I mean, I don't have uh, some. I don't have like a regiment. I do love working out because it's good for my brain. Yeah, I yeah. think a lot of when I'm like doing cardio and 
coming up with ideas. You know, I do have a lot of energy. I'm, you know, the energy people see on stage, it's not uh, put on. Right. That That's love of the game energy when I get up there. Um, I have to temper it sometimes because right. I'm so excited. Yeah, I think maybe that's one thing that makes you like confused or has made you confusing to people. I think your energy is just different. It's very frenetic. You have this like, you know, it's very different than a guy you would think maybe see a guy doing comedy. It's like an anomaly. Hmm. In a way. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I guess. I, I watch other comics that, you know, have energy. And I guess maybe because how I came up, I, I can look at somebody else and go, oh, this is, this is, um, this is organic. This is like, uh, the, they love the movement and stuff. Not as a, not as a, a, a character or a layer. Right. Um, but they're just so enthused to be, um, you know, and then the whole, you know, ego of having people around you love you and care about what you're saying on top of the artistry of performing, man, it's, it's, uh, it can be very, um, it could be elusive and it can also be very addictive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Let's hear this. Cool. DL, Dane, what's going on guys? Had a quick question for you. What is your most proud moment as a comedian? Wow. Uh, just a moment that might stand out to you or uh, give you the most joy. Uh, that's it. Thank you. Gang, gang. Hey, gang, man. You've had a lot yeah. to pick from. I'll let you choose first. You and me go first? Okay. Um, <laughs> I think it would probably have to. No, I know it would be. Uh, the. I've hosted twice, but the first time I hosted Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um, because I can imagine that. What happened was that I'm going to give you the the, the abridged version because it's actually more convoluted. But I, I wanted to be on the show for years. Saw it when I was a kid and was like, "That's where I belong." This circus of freaks and whatever these weird characters and wigs. People wearing wigs at oh, work. Yeah. Who doesn't want to wear a fucking weird wig and go to work and like do a voice like this <laughs> and talk like this for like five minutes? Right? I was like, I love that. Now, whatever that outlet is, I need to plug into that. So Usually that's a lunch lady, usually. <laughs> but I love how, yeah. It that's is also, a skit we should write. It's um, definitely a Saturday Night Live, too. I would uh, I would watch the show, and uh, I would dream about doing the show. And then years later, Lauren Michaels came and saw me at uh, the comic strip in New York City. My career was already starting to really roll. We were talking about maybe potentially doing like a Billy Crystal one season thing, mm -hmm. where I'd come in and just be like a comic for one year on there uh, and do skits and stuff, but that kind of fell through. And so then I said to Lauren that night after we talked at the comic strip, I said, uh, Lauren, I, yeah, I'd love to host. And he said to me, he's like, yeah, that's not gonna happen. And I was like, why? And he goes, because that's not, that's not how we do it anymore. I go, yeah, but Carlin and, and Pryor and all these guys, like, they would do the monologue and it was different because it was stand-up, not a skit. And he's like, yeah, that's, it's, it's passe. We're not doing it. And then four months later, Retaliation came out, number four on the Billboard charts. I'm in a hotel in Vegas for the comedy festival. Lauren Michaels, he called me up. Hello. Hey, man, you're hosting. And he gave oh. me a date right there. So, wow. What did you do after you hung up the phone? Be honest. Did you I jerk off or not? Fucking. 
four times in a row. Did I really? didn't even have anything in it at the end. The oh, last yeah. one, just air came out. Oh, dude, yeah. Confetti man. came out of my cock hole. Oh, yeah. That's called Apollo 17. And, dude, when just fucking there's nothing at the end, that's the one that blew up. I like that where you got the Apollo 17, Pluto. There's kind of a, a whole astrological and astronomical. But um, did you honestly, do you think you jerked off or uh, not honestly? No, I, 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 I flipped out, man. I, I, have you ever jerked off? You seem like a guy maybe who has never jerked off. I'm not off a big jerk also. off guy, you know? Yeah. I, I, you know, I pick my moment and then it's like when I do, it's it's a party, you know? Yeah. But some guys are like, I got a buddy, he's like, dude, I gotta jerk off every day, sometimes two, three times. Oh, yeah. That's too much, man. Yeah, that's half our listeners. Out. That's half of our listeners. And I'm like eighty days off of pornography right now. So nice. I'm dude, I this this past weekend I had the first weekend on the road where I didn't jerk off or didn't think about it. Wow. The in, first weekend. Yeah, in fifteen years of doing stand up. So that's how I know that there's positive stuff in not watching pornography. Oh my, yeah, I think that's smart, man. That's an interesting. Uh, are you talking about that in your stand-up too? No, I just well, oh, no, not yet. I and mean, we talk about it on the podcast a yeah. lot. We have a lot of guys who jerk off and are trying not to. So yeah. no, it's never been my prime directive. I don't know if that would be like. Oh, most of my life goal is trying not to jerk off. So it's you know? pretty. Yeah, I pretty was more sad. like, no, I actually want to meet a beautiful woman and like try to you know actually have sex with a woman that was for many years that was my goal oh, yeah. was like i want to touch myself oh i had that goal and then somebody. i would jerk off and just ruin that goal you know <laughs> i was just sitting there ruining my own goals you ever just get with the girl and then jerk off and just have it like you know a twofer my thing now is i don't if i have sex with a girl i'm not coming that's for i do that by myself sometime oh. you know okay because women want to play hardball i'm playing hardball <laughs> you know that's how i feel dude i'm not doing that you're not okay. getting that baby girl oh my god this is where you would go to a commercial break excuse me for just a second here i gotta ask you something you do you remember 1999 huh well we're almost 20 years past that so if you're no longer partying like it's 1999 why does the software you use every day at work feel like it's not quite ready for even y2k start the year off on the right foot and find software that's well a little more up-to-date on Capterra.com. Capterra is the leading free online resource to help you find the best software solution for your business. So say there's something in your business that's just not really working or you think it could be more fine-tuned or more streamlined, but what software do you use? Capterra can help. Over 700,000 reviews of products from real software users discover everything you need to make an informed decision. All types of categories of software, everything from product management to email marketing to yoga studio management software. No matter what kind of software you need, Capterra makes it easy to discover the right solution fast. Join the millions who use Capterra each month to find the right tools for their business. Visit Capterra, C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash Theo, T-H-E-O, for free today to find the right tools to make 2019 the year for your business. That's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash T-H-E-O. Capterra dot com slash Theo. And now back to the show. So Lord Michaels calls. <clears throat> yeah, man. You have that conversation in Vegas. You must have got off the phone and felt pretty. Uh, I was emotional, you know? I was yeah. emotional because it was really... Um... You know, you the kid recognized? in seventh grade, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The kid from seventh grade that dreamt the whole thing. It was like validation, boom, that day. I, I've had a few moments in my career where I felt like really embraced. Um, but that standing backstage at SNL, hearing the band play, being in that dark 
back area, looking through the beveled glass and seeing the crowd a little bit warped and then boom, opening that door up and knowing I'm I'm here because I did it. I did it all myself. I'm not on a hit show. I'm not on a hit anything. Yeah. I'm just a dude who gets up there and slings some ha-ha for a little bit and I made it all the way to SNL, you know? It shows you anything is possible. Really, anything is possible, man. It's like just, you know, whatever you want to come to fruition, it's all hard work. Any Anytime you fail, anytime people don't make it to where they they feel like they want to get to, I feel like a lot of that is self-imposed. Really? I think we put the obstacles in front of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that sometimes we, uh, it just the human condition is like we want to, um, you know, human beings were not exactly um, programmed to be just love, support, and caring, or else we wouldn't have money. We'd just be like making things for each other all the time. I built a hut, Theo, oh, live yeah. in it. It'd be it's... dream catchers, things like this somebody sent me, <laughs> this neck brace for somebody who's, you know, because I always want to have a little bit of a longer neck. I got oh a limited God. neck. That looks like my grandma's tampon. Well, she's obviously been through some tough times. Yeah, 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 yeah. She had a huge vagina. Dang, she must have. That is a real hitter. (laughs) Yeah, and that is a unique flow she had. Somebody had going. Um, Wow, did you still feel then, even when you're getting on stage, that that these people aren't going to like me because I came, I did it my way? Um, Or I took my own path? Really, I mean, around that time, then it it was, you know, a hundred arenas in a row over many years. So... That was just, I, I call that like portion of my career was just like the parade, you know, it was, um, it was just every day waking up and literally going who called today and what do they want me to do? And how can I, you know, how can I play in the sandbox for one more day of, of, you know, entertainment? Um, it wasn't till, you know, everything finally hit that upper, upper crest right around like 2010, and then as it started to come down the other side, I remember feeling like, uh, okay, so I had my moment and now I, it's literally going like, like our act after a certain amount of time, it's passe and we're a new comic again. And I was a new comic again. I was ready for the next chapter and I didn't mind that it wasn't going to be as white hot for a little bit. Did you have a moment at the top at the, when you started to come down the other side where you're like, did you feel like you had friends? Did you feel like you had people around you? Like, oh, yeah. Did you st- feel like you still had like comedians that were on your side? Or at yeah. that point, was it? I mean, I had the guys that I, you know, Eddie Murphy came to see Good Luck Chuck. He came to support my movie. And I felt like uh, maybe not, again, my graduating class, yeah, very tight, very, um, made. I made it with a lot of guys, you know, fortunately, like a lot of guys in our group um, has had and continue to have uh, really wonderful success. And yet the guys that were in front of me, you know, Richard Lewis and Jerry Lewis and, you know, Dice and all these people that I had uh, wanted to emulate um, made me feel like, hey, man, it's okay. This is part of it, too. Right. This is actually the part of the career that gets interesting because then all that stuff. I was just talking to Dice last night or um, texting back and forth. I said, you know, this is the stuff that makes roles like when he was in Blue Jasmine or Star is Born. The vulnerability comes from these years. Mm comes from the stuff that happens on the in-between, you know? If I want to go back and play Madison Square Garden, I, I know I can do it. I know exactly how to put myself right back in that. But where I'm at now in these beautiful theaters and connecting with people in a really uh, unique way 29 years in is uh, is more, I'm more enthusiastic about that than thinking about what I, what I did, you know, 10 years ago or right. 12 years ago, you know? Now, when you say that you can, um, when you say that like... Uh... So you just said like doing those roles and being vulnerable. Was there 
was there a moment like on the come down part, like on that, you know, when it, because you can only get so high. Yeah. You know, there's only so many. And stay there for arenas. so long. Yes. Right. Um, was there a moment on the come down part where it was like, uh, because it became like, people would say like, like you, it became like, Yeah, it wasn't just like, oh, what, where's Dane Cook been or that sort of thing or what's going on with Dane Cook. It was like people kind of turned against you. Well, it was the um, exact opposite of how much of a spectacle it was when I arrived. It, the pendulum always swings. It's exactly, huh? Yeah. Wow. So it was like, I'm not going to be just called like, oh, he's done. It's going to be like, he never was. Yeah. He doesn't exist <laughs> in the... In, in the annals of uh, stand-up comedy, it's like, you know, or the annals. The annals or the annals. Either. Either way. Trust me. You get fucked a lot in well, this there industry. Is, yeah, there so is the this, annals of this industry as there's well. There's some fucked up stuff in this industry where it's like, if you're not just like a joke writer and you don't fit into this certain formula that, you know, that a lot of people who run the industry think is like, this is what's funny, then right. you're not funny. Right. And I hate that shit, man. Yeah, me too. Because the funniest guys are the people that make people laugh the most. That's what I think. And that's what the ruling always should be. And now it's gotten even worse. Now it's like you have to be not funny and politically correct. Right. Which has just led to basically people just reading Thoreau on stage right. kind well, of. Well, it's because comedy has in become a wig. so corporate. Yeah. You know, it's because it's a Philly. It used to be a dark thing in a basement where everybody would go and sneak into. And it was like, here's where you're going to hear the things that we're all thinking and somebody needs to say it. And now it's it's sponsored and it's Viacom and it's it's a business. It's a whole different thing. I, I'm a purist. I like the idea of coming into the club and, you know, no phones. You know, I like Chappelle does that thing. No phones. Yeah, and, the bags. They you know, in Denver. Sebastian. It, it's, I love that, man. It's like. This should be a place where we can all come in and hang out and air some stuff out. Doesn't mean that uh, it's a place to go in and be racist or be fucking. Uh, I mean, a little obtuse. racist. I'm chill with. You know. <laughs> well, maybe you. I mean, look, bro. I'm not racist, dude. Unless you are. You know what I'm saying, brother? What do you got, <laughs> oh, dude? No. We'll save that for later. I think. Um, that, but wasn't it fun when you used to be able to be a little bit racist? And even if you knew as a comedian, as an entertainer, you were going to be able to yeah. get people of that race yes. on board. People still, listen, there still is room for that. The whole thing is not everybody can do a joke that's so beyond the, the line of uh, what decency. Not everybody's going to get away with that. But there are people out there because they don't have malice in their yeah. heart. And you know they're not coming at it from a place of being right. uh, derogatory. They're coming at a place of being um, uh, expressing something we're all kind of feeling, something that's running through all of us. Right, that's a great out. comedian, you know. Yeah. But I don't. I don't. That's fucking hogwash. All this stuff about. And I had it so much growing up. All the alt comics, you know, for a period of time, they. I was mainstream, and then I'm moving around. And I'm not David Cross. I'm. Blah, 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 blah. Everybody had something to say about it, and. Then when I would try to do something different, of course, it was like an outrage. How, who is he to think he can do a dramatic role right. and people smash? He has a you. joke with a sweater in it. What right? is he doing? Now it, he's an alt comic. It's, it's every alt joke has a sweater in and it. And a beard. Yeah, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Um, so I don't know, man. All that stuff comes at you and you just go, hey, the, the only thing that really matters is how you're being received by that crowd. Uh, I, I've said a a couple of times recently people ask about my career and the good or bad. There's only one thing that keeps you relevant in comedy. One word keeps you around. And if you're not that word, we're not going to see you in a little bit. Funny, funny fills rooms. Nobody's coming and going, 
I'm going to go see Dane's show again because it's not funny and it wasn't funny, but this time I want to see if it's still not funny. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> is doing that. People are going to support you. People are going to smash you. I, I think that a, a gifted performer can can move around. Carlin, man, every comic should be going, we're all Carlin. Political, irreverent, physical, voices, sound effects, yeah. <laughs> farting, smart. That's a comedian. He's the architect. He's one of the architects. Prior, same thing. Who are we to like put each other in boxes when it's really all about just getting a message across using every facet of what we are as people? Yeah. You know? Wow, I got really like, I felt myself get really... Uh, <laughs> Interesting, man. Now nah, look. Emotional it's true. with that one. It's true. Let's take another question that came in here, Nicholas. Cool. Yo, what's up, Theo? What's up, Dane? This is Cy from Minneapolis, Minnesota. What is uh, your guys' thoughts on, you know, that whole Robert Kraft, you know, dark arts, witchcraft, whatever you want to call it, what, him doing that? What do you guys think of that? Anyway, I love the podcast, gang, gang. Gang, man. He's talking about that suck-off over there before the Chiefs game. Oh, his name was Cy? <laughs> yeah. Was it Cy like S-A-I or Cy like... I don't know. Like sad? Did his parents name him after a she gave birth and she went, uh, it's not what I thought he was gonna be. And they just named him Cy. Anyway, thanks for the question, Cy. Um listen, if you're 77 and you want to get a little rub and tug, uh I I think that should be your prerogative. The mistake he made is he shouldn't have gone to Florida, he should have gone to Europe where they don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah, in Europe, man, you that's part that's an appetizer, dude. You know, that come with the water. Um but yeah, look, everybody's been jerked off somewhere by somebody they didn't know if they wanted them to or not. Well, I have. I mean, that's most of my childhood, probably. Did I remember the first time I ever, some girl jerked me off, first time it ever happened to me, into a stream, like a little kind of still water by our house, and the fish came up and ate it right in front of me, dude. And I had these crazy dreams after that for probably maybe four years. So your semen became chum. Oh, dude. You know what I'm saying? And I thought there was going to be like, what happens now? I was so scared. Right. And I was afraid to tell anybody. Like, what if like uh, like fish vons came yeah, out of the water, right? Saying. Just little fish with your fucking head on them. <laughs> yeah, that would be fucking great. Just saying little jokes, yeah. right? Because <laughs> he couldn't stop chumming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so everybody goes through a tough time. I think, yeah, look, Robert Kraft is a champion. If those ladies, as long as they weren't, you know, being held against their will or something, and they want to, you know, perform, do that type of uh, business, I don't see anything wrong with those women doing that type of business if they need, if they're doing it to survive and they want to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole human trafficking element—that's not what we're talking about. That's that's pretty fucked up shit. Yeah, somebody's locked in a yeah. Somebody's under the influence of drugs to be kept in an alley or something like that. Like if somebody chooses, like if Theo and I said, "Hey, you know what? For a buck, you can suck our cock." You know that yeah. that should be like we're grown men. We can we should be able to make that offer. Yeah, I mean that's for a buck. Yeah, I would say ninety nine cents because that always it's more enticing. Look at him, dude. It's a businessman. <laughs> Niche marketing right here. Yeah, and I would probably raise it to about twenty bucks. You know, 
Yep. Um, and Maybe be, it comes with a hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> Get some merch at the end. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> now we're going to Chris D'Elia. It comes with a doesn't make a dent hoodie. Is he um, selling a lot of He does. He oh, does. dude. Somebody, love it. Yeah. I just I heard. Love it. I saw a guy with a doesn't make a dent hoodie on the other day at the airport. I love that, man. And I was like, wow. It's very, very cool. I saw a homeless know. guy wearing one of my shirts that I, I always <laughs> donate like extra merch at the end of tours. And I have a picture with this, the grimiest homeless dude. And he's wearing a Dan Cook shirt. And I was like, that's me. That's my shirt. And he was like, I don't give a fuck, man. But we took a picture in my office. That's awesome. What was the question? Oh, the Robert Kraft yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, the guy's a champion, you know, and sometimes you have to relax before the big game. Right. And Sometimes you, during the big yeah, game. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And his wife, I think, is 78. Would you bother that woman? You're going to bother a 78-year-old woman? <laughs> she passed away like six years ago. Oh, she did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, then way fucked up. Right. Imagine you have him masturbating in a graveyard instead, because that's the alternative. Man, Masturbating in a graveyard should be the name of your book someday. I don't know why. I could just see you on the cover and maybe have some fish in a little creek oh, yeah. that are also like watching. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. <laughs> Put us on the edge of the graveyard. <laughs> but still, you got to think about that. If that's the alternative, then look, man, I say we start a go uh, a go fuck me campaign for fucking Robert Kraft All right. and get him what he needs. Go fuck me. Let's you know? do that. That's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a great idea. Man, you are entrepreneurial, man. Well, look, I'm doing what I can. <laughs> I'm doing what I can, man. Uh, what else do we have, Nick? What do we got? Hi, Theo. Hi, Dane. My name is Alex Jinlai. I'm from Port Perry, Ontario. And my question today is pertaining to age and getting older. Um, I recently just had a birthday at the beginning of February, and this was the first year where I was dreading it. And I Googled it, and I saw that you guys actually have birthdays coming up, and they're back-to-back, -back, if Google is correct. Um, so I'm just curious as your thoughts or as to your thoughts on getting older and aging and if it's something you enjoy, if it excites you, if it gives you anxiety, like it gave me anxiety this year. Um, I'm just curious as to what you think. My favorite part of that question was when she said, if Google was correct, yeah. that spoke to me more than anything because <laughs> a lot of times Google is, <laughs> is yeah. not correct. Wikipedia yeah, don't believe everything you read on the internet. Yeah. Now, I believe everything I read on the internet, but you're right. I agree with you. <laughs> We're both right. So um, you got a birthday coming up? Yeah, March 19th. 18th. Really? Yeah. Fellow Pisces, That's man. crazy, dude. Cool. Very. How old are you going to be? I'm going to be 39. Dude, you look great, man. Really? Yeah. I don't feel you great, don't look man. 39. Really? Yeah. Oh no, you're you're good, man. I'm thinking you're in about good ordering shape. blood off the internet. You're in good I've had shape. some work. I had. You got a good quaff, man. I've had some work done. I had hair taken out of the back of here and yep. put into here. Oh, okay. Well, it looks great. A lot nice, of people man. do that, man. That's really that's that's not uncommon. It looks awesome. Yeah, I've seen other people that have, and then I've now I've also now seen other comics ask me about it. Right. Yeah. Why not? Right. It's like if that's if that's available, then. Hell yeah. Would you ever do that? Would you ever do anything you think? I would do that. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, for me, it's like getting older. I, I, I think it's, we're lucky as men because, you know, we can be distinguished and it also adds to like, okay, this is, I'm 46. This is uh, the, the roles that I want to play now and the kind of parts that I, you know, hope to, you know, uh, you know, inhibit it's like, uh, or inhabit is it's, it's good. Age actually helps. Right. So I've never been concerned about aging, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I feel like if, 
uh, I used to have a huge acne scar right here mm-hmm. and I would go and I would get filler. I'd have them do some collagen in it because it, it was like, I hated it. I didn't like my face because yeah, I had Drew Brees. The, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, and, and it took years to finally be like, fuck it. You know what I mean? It's part of me. It's part of character. So I, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in, I'm fully behind doing whatever it is that you feel like you need to do to, to better health and wellness, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Somebody said you got calf implants was a rumor that went around. Did you ever hear that? Dude, I don't, but look at these. Look at my bitches. calves, bro. Oh my God, bro. It looks like my friend Ben. Look at that. I'm like a Clydesdale. <laughs> Let me see that. Yeah. I never had calf implants, but I've always had huge calves. Jesus Christ, <laughs> yeah. bro. In fact, That's I'm holding up all that stress, I bet. My mom, I, I remember years, you know, years and years ago, I said, uh, what was it like when you gave birth to me? She goes, your calf ripped the shit out of my <laughs> oh, pussy. Wow. Dude, you probably had to have one come out first and then one come out after, huh? There's no way you were breached, dude. Nobody could have fucking handled that. Jeez. I actually, uh, she, I think it was one of those things where she she <laughs> she she wanted to do like a C-section. Yeah, but they were like, e- your cat. Either way, these yeah, things are gonna yeah, fucking hurt. Yeah. Something's gonna get stretched. Take four of your ribs out, lady. You're gonna be the next Marilyn Manson up people, here. People, people, yeah. People ask me. Did couple, you ever hear that? Did that yeah. you got cap implants? Okay. Yeah, man. I've heard a lot of crazy shit. You know, people think uh, fucking everybody has like that thing where they'll write you and be like, "Hey, the rumor going around that you tweeze your eyebrows and you you get them like whatever they call that." You know. Procedure. Oh, I would maybe. I mean, I, I yeah. I mean, I guess at some point I would look into some of that. Bladed. I, I got some long ones. Yeah, it's threading or well, yeah, 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 bladed yeah. or threaded. Yeah. What what people don't realize is like. When you're 46, and this is the stuff you learn as you get older, the hair on the, um, they call this uh, the crown part, mm-hmm. like starts to diminish. Yeah. So it's not that like my, I'm sculpting <laughs> my hair. It's like I'm fucking aging. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm 46. Hey, guess what? Someday fucking I might not have any eyebrow. I'd be like Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Do you... um? Yeah, I guess aging, I get a little bit scared. I realize that I need to do, like, I want to get in shape before I do a special now because I just want to be able to move a little bit better on stage and be at my most fluid. Sure. So I can, you know, like, physically do things better. I notice my body will do more for me and will take me to new places. Like, sometimes I'll do something. If I'm in really feeling good, then I'll do something, and then it'll create something with my brain where my brain's like, oh, you can do this idea now. Right. And so I'm learning that a little bit. That, you do yoga? That they help each other out. I try to yeah. do a lot of yoga. Yoga's great, man. Yeah keeps keeps you so limber and you know because i've always been very physical i don't throw my body around i'm not doing like fucking drop kicks and uma Pilatas anymore on stage and some yeah. of that insanity because it, it it would hurt but um but just you know going to the gym keeping yourself healthy man that's uh yeah that's another tool to your performance you yeah. know if you can do that some 100%. people go the other way gain fucking 150 pounds and that's funny too yeah you know greatest part about aging is that as a comedian it's all funny Right. It's all funny. If you're if you embrace it. Yeah. If you don't mind being like got the little punch going and it's like it's all it's all funny. Well, I got that limited build. I'm built like a kind of stoke wagon and people and we talked about this before. You know, I, I don't have that really I wish I had kind of wider shoulders. I have limited neck range. So I've always, you know, had different things I want to do. I used to wear a neck brace at night all the time mm-hmm. to try and get my neck longer. You know Try to get it longer? Yeah. You try to elongate yourself? Yeah. <laughs> a little. <laughs> Not much. I mean, I'm not trying to fucking, you know. Wait, was it like. I'm not trying to have to hold my fucking head up. Or I was going to say, you put it on, and was there like a winch that no. you would turn, and it would like. <laughs> Almost ready for the dance. 
Uh, no, it would just kind of, you know, it would make you really be a taut. Right, really, more rigid. I like to get a little bit taut to let it know that yeah. I'm in business. That was kind of my goal. Well, I noticed that about you. You get kind of a Terminator thing that's that's happening. Yeah, well, I just have limited... My family comes from... You know, people weren't really looking around, staying fucking focused, staying local. <laughs> they were just looking straight ahead oh, all the dude, time. Yeah. There's no fucking hindsight. There's no, no foresight. That's good, man. No side sight. See, I like that. Zero peripheral vision in, I like in my that. past. My family, my whole legacy was they were looking into a fucking glass of ale <laughs> for most of it. And, you know, just can't wait to get that in their belly instead of fucking looking out. I hate to interrupt the episode because it's a good one, I think. But is your home like mine? cluttered with stuff you don't even use anymore what's that a toy train i'm in my 30s clothes and shoes you don't wear taking up valuable closet space a tennis net for some reason indoors old phones hiding in drawers toys and games that the kids aren't even interested in anymore you know what i'm talking about well let me tell you about an app that you can use to sell this stuff it's called mercari Mercari is the selling app that makes it fast and easy to sell almost anything. You simply take a few pics, add a description, and boom, your item is listed. Mercari will even email you a shipping label when it sells. It's simple. The app has over 300,000 reviews on the App Store with an average 4.8 star rating. So why not give it a try? Over 100,000 items get listed every day on Mercari. Something you don't need, put it on there. Something you're looking for, Mercari. So don't let that stuff that you don't use go to waste. Sell it, ship it, and get paid with Mercari. You can find Mercari on the App Store or on Mercari.com. That's M-E-R-C-A-R-I. Mercari, the selling app. <laughs> um, let's take one more. Up, Theo. Uh, this is a question for Dane. Uh, I wanted to ask you why you got kicked out of the Laugh Factory in Los Angeles. And Theo, if you had any close calls to getting booted out of the Laugh Factory, I know uh, that's a big comedian area for uh, comedians in Los Angeles. Gang, gang. Gang, man. Um, and I don't know, is that true? Did you get- that's where Google is, <laughs> right. you know, Google gets it wrong a lot because I don't know if people realize this, breaking news. Anybody that posts anything on Google that says they're a, they're a reporter, oh, these days, it yeah, finds a place and it stays up there. And if a lot of people click on it, the algorithm goes, "That must be reality." Yeah, you know, it says on my fucking Wikipedia that my my father was a potato farmer. Was he? No, he's <laughs> never. But it, people kept voting it up, or you know, I think there was like a mob of people that was like, "Let's put some." misinformation in there and just yeah and they validate Let's live in vain dane's life up with some veggies um laugh factory thing it's i wish it was an exciting story it was not all the hullabaloo of getting banned for life and all that i'd known the owner for 17 years we had a falling out it literally was like it was what men do kind of moment it was just like guys the way guys sometimes fight and then our relationship is actually enhanced by the fact that we both allowed each other to vent and fucking you know have the swagger two years went by talked to jamie uh the owner jamie masada he's like i love you buddy i'm like i love you too i was there that saturday night and you know it was just two guys that after many years of business together successful business together 
had a difference of opinion. Yeah. You know, our philosophies, man, that's the thing that pe- people don't realize. Philosophies change. Your constitution is different from mine. What we're trying to do is find a place that we're, uh, you know, where we are both being received and understood, you know, for what we're trying to put into, say, our, our careers. That's something, a common ground. But mm-hmm. away from that, you know, it's our differences that, that uh, are actually, I think, even more interesting. Something yeah. that, you know, you're very vastly different from me and good. That should be the way it is, right? Yeah. What are you? Uh, what are you most excited about with the upcoming tour? I mean, you said that obviously, you know, like people are coming out and they're saying, "Oh, wow, I didn't think that I would have a new experience with you," right? But I had that. Yeah, I think that. Well, first of all, what feels entirely, you know, I haven't, I haven't. People say like, "Oh, is it a comeback?" I, I never. St- I was still touring, but I just wasn't doing like a Live Nation, you know, uh, put a name on it, shoot a special during it. I hadn't had one of those years since. Uh, troublemaker which was uh four years ago um and so being out there now the thing that's the most um that i'm most enthused about the show is an amazing show the show is one of the best shows that i feel like i've put together in terms of you know what the 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 bullet points i want to hit is comedy but i'm so present theo you know it took a long time to not be a person who was encumbered by the past and the things about my youth that made me feel so um, maligned and mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. and different, mm-hmm. you know, and bad about myself. Yeah, yeah, we talk a lot about that stuff on the. I, I did that a lot of years, man. You know, even in, with success, looking back, why did people hate me? Why did why did that this situation happen to me? And then there were years where it was like, all I'm doing is looking ahead. I'm not even enjoying the now, the here and now. Uh, what do I got to do next? Why? Because the expectations when you make it in this business is like, now you're paying my mortgage kid. So get out there and fucking do more of whatever it is that you're doing. You feel that responsibility. You know, I had a company with 25 people working for me. I want to make sure everybody is winning. That's a lot. That's a lot more than just being a joke slinger. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's different when it starts to become a business. It's way different. Yeah. And then finally it, it, you know, it's settled into about 10 years ago it being, you know, something where I felt very present, but this tour in particular, because of the content, you know, it's really about the content. Um, cause now I can celebrate all of it. I talk about some pretty dark moments in my life. I think in the funniest way possible, I talk about some of the high watermarks in a way that's, um, self-effacing, uh, take the piss out of myself. Yeah. I can fuck with my success and I can tell you why that wasn't a failure. Yeah. And I can do that in a funny way. Yeah. Tell it like it is tour, you know, and that's the name of the tour. Tell it like it is. Cause that's, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Do you feel, um, uh, what do you think has helped you get more introspective over the time? Therapy, you know, did some great therapy. Did um, you do EMDR or anything like that? No, I just did like, you know, one on one. Yeah. Yeah. After my parents died, I didn't know how to grieve. I didn't know what that was. I ignored it. I just did more shows and just like kept trucking. I was just like Forrest Gump when wow. he just ran for two fucking years. Yeah. I just didn't stop. And then one day I was really sad and I was like, I was, uh, I was, um, I remember I was like real broken and it just hit me. It was almost just like the flu, the way it just, it like entered my body. And I was like, I miss my parents. I'm, mm. I lost them too soon. They're not here. I couldn't call them anymore to be like, what do I do with, you know, all this backlash or all this adulation, I, I couldn't call them anymore. Right. Um, and that really hurt me deeply. Yeah, but that's heartbreaking. Yeah, it really was. And I lost my brother. You know, essentially my brother died because of all that, you know, you know, all that craziness. So it was like, I went through this period in my life where I needed help. 
I need somebody to help me connect the dots. So I actually found a, a, a therapist who was an agent many years ago. Mm. So we got it. He understood the business. Did you not f- the not the comedy guy. I, right. I didn't go back to him. Yeah. Um, what about did what, did you feel like you had like at a time when your career got so busy that did you feel like di- like disappointing yourself that you hadn't spent more time with your family during that? Well, I still had a an, a, an amazing connection with my mom, and even if I couldn't you know physically be with her, I was, we talked all the time. Right. You know, and she came to a lot of shows. If I had seven shows in New England. She was at all seven, oh, wow. you know, drinking Kahlua sombreros, man, and fucking heckling me. That's what I'm talking about. My mom about. used to heckle me from the back of the room. Wow. She would literally yell things out like, um, talk about the night you walked in when I was having sex with your father. <laughs> yeah. And then another person the in the night. crowd would go, hey, shut up. And then I'd go, no, you shut the fuck up. That's my mom. She can say whatever she wants. It was like an act. Me and my yeah, mom got yeah. into this this whole thing. So that was that was brutal. But the 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 gift of therapy, you know. Some people think like, ah, no, it's it's hooey, it's hokey. It's it is not. As a person who sat in that seat week after week after week, or on the phone if I was on the road, to be able to purge yourself of some of those. Uh, Negative thoughts. Yeah, mm, man, it was life changer. Oh yeah, I got therapy today at five. Um, I'll go with you, and I'm excited. <laughs> Let me just tag along. She'll be like, oh, we've heard a lot about you in here. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this really runs place to place for you. I, I wouldn't say a word, but every once in a while, you just hear me go like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, I know that. Me too. <laughs> Did um, man, I had a question for you. We were just talking about uh, your mom. You were talking about therapy. Yeah. Um. Just getting getting present, you know, being in the moment, being being you know in that on stage and off. Yeah, you know where it didn't who I was off stage didn't matter. Um, it who I was on stage didn't dictate my importance in life mm. off stage, mm. and my insignificance in life didn't. I didn't take that on stage to impede on my act. Mm. A healthy balance of both, you know. It takes a while. Yeah, it takes it takes it takes a, a good long. It's we're on this road for a long time, man. And look at Gary Shandling. You know that 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 documentary was so fucking I powerful. Seen it yet. I need to watch it. Should watch it, man. Yeah. Wait, I jer- need to watch the other one. You talked about the documentary. Not yep. to interrupt you. I don't want to forget. Yeah. You talked about the documentary about the dude that saw the UFOs. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, it's on um, Netflix right now. Uh, no, iTunes. It's on iTunes. Um, UFOs. In, oh, I got to get the exact name of it, but blew my mind. What greatest documentary about UFOs that I've ever seen? I believe in all that stuff. Yeah. And this, like, I already believed it, and now I super believe it. If that's even a term. This dude took you there. <laughs> yeah. You really. And he did. seemed like a reliable source. This man. Yeah, because the documentary isn't. Uh, that's it. Uh, wait, no, is that it? Un- nope. Uh, nope. Now this guy's name is. I think it had his name in it. Maybe. Yeah, it did. It was. Um, Mer- uh... It's uh, on iTunes. It's like the number one documentary right now. The aliens arrive, UFO TV. I'll check the rankings. See, all these other things are kind of like the narrators like this. They were tall and they had eyes that were like onyx stones. And you're like, oh, this is. This is about Egypt. (laughs) Just hokey. No, this is like a real guy who did all the research, talked to the right people. Dan Mullins or something was his name? I can't remember. Oh, you were so fucking amped about it when I saw you at the comedy store. I was like, I, I just need can't to believe watch that his name. Is, oh, Ray, and, oh, I can't remember. It. Um, yeah, sorry, 
No, it's all right. They'll find it. Uh, let's play one more question, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Hey, Theo. Hey, Dane. Um, I have a question for both of you. When was the moment that you two found out about each other? And then also maybe the moment that you two met. I want to hear your first stories and first impressions. Thanks, gang gang. Hey, real quick, before we answer that, uh, we never, re- you never got to respond to, I told, you know, SNL. What about you in your comedy career at this point? What's been a, a moment that was, will impact you for the rest of your life? Something where you felt you turned a corner? Um... Okay, uh, let's just take this. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. I, I I think for me, it had a lot to do with starting to get accepted by other comedians, mm-hmm. and it wasn't something that happened on stage. It was probably more stuff that happened like off stage. And what do you think ingratiated you with people? What was it about you that you felt like you were connecting in terms of like was it just conversations you were having with comics, or were you spending time like bowling with them? Like, what was? Mm-hmm. I think it was just doing comedy. You know, and uh, and earning their respect as a consistent performer. Yeah, yeah. Because I never, I always didn't like it when guys like there's a lot of guys who seemed like they were glad hand and like leeching on people and stuff. And that was never my way. I never, I, in fact, I wanted to. I would not communicate with comedians that were doing well because I didn't want to be that person. Mm. Um, and because I felt like I couldn't hide the fact that that's what I was trying to do if I right. was trying to do it. So I just kind of naturally uh, would meet people. Um, you know, actually start getting into some podcasting really helped, like getting on the fighter and the kid and being able to be a guest on their podcast for me made me feel like, oh, wow, I get to, you know, joke around with these in these fun groups. Right. And then one night Rogan texted me or sent me a DM and his podcast is, you know, probably the biggest one. And and he just said, hey, man, I'd love to have you on the podcast. And I Uh remember that night just feeling like, fuck man this is crazy dude yeah, like when yeah. do i write him back do i write him back now i'm like texting like my friends like what do i say like do i say yeah. thanks and then say something or do i not say something and then just say thanks what do i do dude so i jerked off bro and i fucking waited till the morning of course into a, into a creek <laughs> yeah, yeah i know you man yeah. i know your style now. time to feed the fish well that's baby. a that's a huge moment you know that because you know what that is that's that's um but I felt accepted. The community saying, you know, you're, and I had moments like that very early in Boston where I finally felt like, oh, they, they know that I'm really here to work. I'm, uh, you know, I, I love this, the art of stand up comedy. I'm, I'm a student of it. You know, it takes a long time for your peers to, cause we're all a little suspicious. Oh yeah. You know, who's the, who's the new guy or girl coming in, especially if they come from any other background. Oh wow. You get a little weird about it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's nature. Some of that's just nature. If because this person from a different background, you think that, oh, how could they be funny? They're not from the same ilk. Like one time David Arquette came in and was like, I'm a stand up now and he was doing all these spots at the factory and we we're all like watching, going like yeah, we love Scream, man, but yeah. what the fuck are you doing? You, you that's a spot that somebody who really wants to do this could be you doing. know so what if did you ever have did you was there in, ever, in my impression just i can answer yeah, very quickly I, I heard about theo for you know quite some time and i think i saw you one night performing at one of the clubs and i remember feeling like oh this guy really i've, I've heard a lot about him and I, I i remember thinking to myself oh this guy he gets it he really gets it like i because i'm i always see the the gears turning with com- i can watch and I, you know i kind of like we're a little bit soothsayer because we know, if, all right, I see what he's trying to get to or what he's trying to, um, and and still I had that preconceived notion until we finally actually chatted for a little bit at a couple of clubs and then really got to know each other at, at, at my house to where I could go, okay, 
this is a well-rounded guy who's trying to you know figure it all out and then put it all back into his comedy so that's i think we started off a a friendship i'm no rogan yeah you don't text me in the middle of the night you know he's never texting and saying what do i say to dane that's true but that's okay but that's okay (laughs) i think yeah for me i would see you at the clubs and like I always got to, I always feel like I'm too nervous to talk to some guys, or I'd feel nervous around them. Just insecurities about myself to even just be myself. So, you know, I probably felt like that sometimes. You were friends with other guys that I knew pretty well, and um, and so you know, we bumped into each other. We would talk a little bit at the improv here and there. Had a yeah. couple of conversations, and then uh, and but that was it. But the first time I ever saw you was at Dublin's actually. I mean, years ago, with the yeah. first night I ever wow. came out and watched comedy in L.A. Oh, my, oh, wow, that's you a great first show. It there, yeah, and it was yeah. cool. And that was, was that was the whole. That was where everything was starting to change, man. Yeah, that's where I was really like, oh man, okay, this that was is a world. That was a place happen. in its own. Yeah, I I bet, bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, great, people, great the fact memories. that people still talk about that. Yeah, bubbling at Dublin's, man. Yeah, dude, that was crazy. Great, great memories. Um, was there ever a chance since you're from Boston and Wahlberg is from Boston that there was a chance for you and Mark Wahlberg to do a movie? Um, I, no, I've never, I mean, I've met him several times. The closest I ever came to ever performing was he was in the new kids on the block back when I was starting stand up in a comedy group and we did shows together. Wow. So we would open for new kids on the block at like sober clubs. Yeah. We play sober clubs. We were too young. So we play, you know, these non-alcohol venues. And so Joey McIntyre was like fucking 11 or whatever he was. And probably fucking. I got to <laughs> and chicks were no, no bullshit, man. Chicks were lining oh, up yeah. for those guys. I was lining up in a wig. We just wanted to. <laughs> Yeah. We just wanted to uh you know, whatever whatever fell off the side of the stage for them, we were like, you know, hoping that maybe one girl would would like us and want to touch our peen. What did you ever were you ever offended that they didn't reach out to you because you're both from the same place? No. I mean I, I the first film I ever did was uh in a movie with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. It was called School Ties. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a significant role in it, but those guys were like I knew I knew oh, in and around wow. Boston they were emerging, you know. I didn't but know it, you were in that. Me neither. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in it literally for like that much time. Dude, Kurt Fox is in The Patriot. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah. I see. He's in um, one of my favorite movies, Wyatt Earp. Wow. He's in Wyatt Earp a lot. He's really great. Again. He's really great, man. Um, but no, I never felt. Uh, I've worked with many Boston guys that, you know, I, I, I've admired and, and come up like him. So if, if they called, you go great. And if not, then, you know, it's okay. I'm still a fan. Yeah. Yeah. Cool stuff, man. Um, anything else, guys? Are you shooting a special? I'm going to film a couple of things this year. I think that uh, I got two two specials that I want to do. And if I can do them back to back, then I'm going to do that. But I don't want to give up where I'm going to do it yet. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to directors now, and it's, it's getting exciting. And I'm I'm planning on doing one and doing it myself with a with as a director yeah. and uh, and maybe even doing it at the main room at the comedy store because I feel so comfortable there. Of course. Um, do you think it matters like venue size and that sort of thing? I mean, for me, some of it seems to be about comfort. Right. Like the last one I did was in a place it was in a theater and it was okay, but it wasn't really that comfortable. I'd never even been on the stage, right? So it, it didn't feel. I was very nervous. Yeah. But uh, do you I, have I any don't. Thoughts? I don't think it matters whatsoever. I mean, honestly, I feel like. Comedy is as long as it's you know got great sound you know even more than lights or anything as long as it sounds great you know if you're in a place that you're comfortable hometown uh, of course that's yeah, a legendary room and, and an amazing room just a, a a room that embraces comedy so I think that's a smart moving your part playing it there um, but 
I don't I don't think that you know it's not like saying hey because you played uh, a five thousand seater that 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 uh, you should have a, more of a validation or less. It's like no, if you're funny, that that should be wherever that you want to do that is going to work out. Funny wins. Funny wins. Tell it uh, like it is. Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. Yeah. Tour. Yeah, we're out yeah. there, man. Dude, I'm going to Medford actually in two weeks. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh shit. I'm okay. so excited. I'm nervous. Or bo- you know, Boston. I'm just yeah. I'm excited and Medford, nervous. Right next to my my uh, town that I grew up in. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Born and raised in Arlington, Massachusetts, and used to hang out at the Medford Mall. Really? Yep. Look for chicks. They were coming out of fucking parade of shoes, yeah. and I would just sit there on a bench eating Brigham's ice cream, going like, <laughs> "Girls." They wouldn't look at me for another 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> but you least. were ready, though. <laughs> I was I was ready, man. Dude, we used to camp out at the mall. We used to drive to Slidell, Louisiana, and we'd go stay at the mall, yeah. get a tent, camp out outside, and go to the mall again the next day. Oh, man. What was it? Do you have a store that was like your spot that you always had to go like, I got to go to the Sharp Rimage or something? Oh, shit. yeah, yeah. We went to um, the place that have like uh, panties, but also have like lava lamps. What is that? Uh, Spencer. Oh, Spencer's, Spencer's Gifts. Gifts. Yeah. Yeah. We'd you- steal a bunch of stuff and then get arrested even. Sometimes they'd arrest you and then let yes. you go. And then you go down to like uh, Electronics Boutique. Yeah. And look at what the new fucking Nintendo 64 games yeah, were. Yeah, just imagine. Oh, if man. If anybody cared about you, you'd have one. <laughs> It was fucking good times. Uh, Dan Cook, best of luck on your new tour, man. Thanks, Theo. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having for me, man. Here. This yeah, man, is I really, uh, I, I was excited for this, so appreciate it. Would you it. ever do a podcast of your own, you think? Have you considered it? Or does that seem like something that everybody else is doing, so you're going the other direction? I love this. I love uh, being a guest and coming in and um, having come up and created my own early version of a podcast. It wasn't even called a podcast. I, I had something called The Voice of Doom, mm-hmm. and The Voice of Doom was a little jukebox that I would upload MP3, and I would do like a rant. Uh, every couple of days, I just put on like some stuff that I knew wouldn't be funny as much on stage, but like I could kind of riff on. Yeah. Um. And I felt like for me, I, 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 I'm enjoying watching so many people embrace the entrepreneurial side of getting their voice out there way more than even if I was doing it yeah. at this point. Cause I'm yeah. like, I did that when it was not cool, when it was not in vogue and you took way. a lot of shit and now it's the template right now it's a must it's yeah. a calling card so i'm just uh i'm grateful that you know i could come in here and hang out hopefully you'll have me back yeah we'd love to man thanks for coming in cool man now i'm just floating on the breeze and i feel i'm falling like these leaves i must be cornerstone oh but when i reach that ground i'll share this piece of mind i found i can But it's gonna take a little time For me to set that parking brake And let myself unwind Shine that light on me I'll sit and tell you Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jonathan Kite, and welcome to Kite Club, a podcast where I'll be sharing thoughts on things like current events, stand-up stories, and seven ways to pleasure your partner. The answer may shock you. Sometimes I'll interview my friends. Sometimes I won't. 
And as always, I'll be joined by the voices in my head. You have three new voice messages. A lot of people are talking about Kite Club. I've been talking about Kite Club for so long, longer than anybody else. So great. Hi, sweetheart. Here's a deal. Anyone who doesn't listen to Kite Club is a dodgy bloody wanker. Jermaine. Hi, I'll take a quarter pounder with cheese and a McFlurry. Sorry, sir, but our ice cream machine is broken. I think Tom Hanks just butt-dialed me. Anyway, first rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Second rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Third rule, like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or watch us on YouTube, yeah? And yes, don't worry, my Brad Pitt impression will get better.